today we start week two of the life of David, and we're focusing on this sermon series because David was a man after God's own heart. He had a relationship with the Lord, uh, especially in the younger years of his life. It was unlike any other relationship we see in the Old Testament. And we have a lot to learn from David in regards to how he walked with the Lord. Last week we talked about this relationship with David that he had with the Lord, that he was a man that the Jews called uh, Kaddish Hashem. Kaddish Hashem is a statement, a phrase that they used, and it's uh, taken from Leviticus, this part in Leviticus. And I want to see either how well I preached or maybe how well you listened or a combination of the two. Kaddish Hashem, does anybody remember what that meant from last week? To make God's name famous. That's right. That God's name is famous and holy. And we, the way we walk is evidenced of whether we're making God's name famous or we're defaming God's name. And uh, David was a man after God's own heart. He understood that it was God's name that mattered. He understood that it was God's name that was worthy to live and to honor. And and so we see that in David's life. And we're going to see it again here in the story we're taking a look at today. Uh, The most famous story of David that we all know about, even if you're not a Christian or not a follower of God's word and you're here this morning, you know this story. You've heard this story. It's a story of what David and Goliath. And we've all heard this story. And even though we haven't lived the David and Goliath story literally, most likely. I'm guessing you haven't gone to war against a a Goliath person. I do know this, is that this story, even though we know it is history, that behind the scenes, as we look at how the story unfolds, it has significant spiritual wisdom for us. So much so that we're going to spend two weeks on the David and Goliath story. So much spiritual wisdom for us to learn from David about how he approaches this situation and how he approaches his relationship with the Lord. And the reality is, is for all of us, even though we may not have a physical war against Goliath, I do believe this, that every single one of us in our lifetime will face a spiritual battle of a Goliath in our life. Every single one of us. And you may be here this morning facing a spiritual Goliath, and I hope that whether this is the first time you've actually opened the story and read it or whether this is the thousandth time that the Lord would have something for you new this morning. I know in my own life, just to get you to understand maybe a little bit of my own story, um, I've faced a lot of Goliaths and there's just two I just want to share with you this morning. The first Goliath for me that I've had to face in my own life of, of warfare, of, of battle spiritually was the reality of uh, I accepted Christ when I was 10 Uh, But at a very young age, got introduced to a computer at home by myself in 1996 and developed an addiction to pornography from the time I was 12 till I was 21 years old. In addition to that, later on uh, that uh, same year, my mom and dad ended up splitting up and divorcing, and I had to wrestle through what was going on as my family home broke apart, uh, dealing with an addiction to pornography. At this moment, I'm crying out to God saying, God, where are you? As my whole life is falling apart, where are you? As I face the Goliath that's in front of me and feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm at war and that this, this, this monstrosity of a spiritual battle and attack is in front of me, I had to navigate a lot of different things. And looking back, I wish that I would have seen the story of David uh, then as I do now. What about you? What Goliath do you have in front of you? 
What is the spiritual battle that you have? And what does David want to say to you? What does the Lord want to say to you through David this morning? 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we pick up the story. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we were just in chapter 16 last week. David's anointed as the king of Israel. He's taking over for another king. Uh, Who is that king that he's replacing that the Lord has abandoned? Saul, exactly. But even though uh, David has been anointed the new king, he's still a very young boy. And so 1 Samuel chapter 17, it starts off, it says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes, Damim, between Sokah and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a thousand shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath is huge. If you do the calculations, he's over nine feet tall. His armor weighs over 125 pounds. I was watching Iron Man last night, the original, re-watching, going through the Marvel movies because we've never done that before. And people have shamed us and said, I can't believe you haven't watched all the Marvel movies. And Iron Man is on, and his first prototype of his, like, you know, armor is, like, super, like, heavy, right? Like, they have to use a hoist to put on. That's what it's like for, for Goliath, 125 pounds of armor armor that he's carrying over nine feet tall. I thought about having like uh, one of you guys get up here and get on my shoulders to show you how tall nine feet was, but I had a feeling that would go really bad, really quick as we fall and break our necks and something bad would happen. But the, Goliath is huge, right? He's, he's monstrous. And not only is he monstrous, but he also, the rabbis taught, was a representation of evil. I want you to notice it was the 600 shekels uh, plus the the six cubits, the six, 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 like number keeps popping up, which we know in the scripture represents evil. Goliath represents evil. Not only that, he's got armor that's, that's scaled like a right? So this is, this is what we see as Goliath is representing this monstrous warrior that represents evil, that he's huge. And not only that, the Philistines have gone and taken Israel and put them into this place, the Valley of Elah. And I've been there in Israel. It's a huge valley with a mountain on both sides. And you don't enter into the valley because you're automatically, if you enter into the valley, you're automatically strategically in a really insecure place when it comes to being able to fight war. And so both camps are on both sides, drawing up lines, getting ready to go to battle. And if you look at this map, the Philistines people were a coastal people. They lived all along the coast of the uh, Mediterranean where Israel is at. The, the Israelites are mountainous people. They live in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and close to the Sea of Galilee. There's a lot of mountains in that whole area. In fact, Jerusalem sits on top of the mountain, which is the reason why when you hear about they went down to the Dead Sea, it's because they're going down in elevation, okay? There's a big mountain range there. And right where they're camped is a valley. And it's a canyon, 
And it's a very strategic place because if you hold on to this place militarily, you're able to keep people from coming into the mountainous region of the Galilee. And you're able to stay away from the enemies and, and really being, um, being fortified. And so this is a strategic, strategic place where the Philistines say, okay, if we're going to go to war, this is where it's going to be. If we want to take on the Israelites, this is the valley we need to take, and this is where we need to draw up lines. Which, just like in the physical reality of war, the same is true in the spiritual reality of war. The enemy is going to attack you and be very strategic about how he attacks you. The enemy will always strategically attack you, not only physically, but spiritually speaking as well. How so? If you struggle with self-doubt and insecurity, what will the enemy whisper? If you struggle with pride, what will the enemy whisper? If you struggle with managing your finances, your resources, what, the, what is the enemy going to whisper? If you struggle with lust, what is he going to whisper? The enemy not only physically attacks in a very precise way, not only physically, but he also attacks spiritually. Let's go on with the story. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Underline that if you've got your Bible. Highlight it on your phone. This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, there is King Saul, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed and terrified. Intimidated and terrified. Why are they terrified? It's Goliath. He's over nine feet tall, right? Physically, if we were to look at Goliath and look at the reality of the situation, we'd all be terrified. We'd all be dismayed. We'd all be intimidated. We all would be saying, I don't think I can win. We don't think we can win. And this is what Israel's thinking. There is no way that we're going to win. And the reason why they think that is because their eyes are focused on Goliath. You hear that? Their eyes are focused on Goliath. Their eyes are focused on enemy, which is something we need to learn to not do. When the enemy comes, and the enemy's going to come, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When the enemy attacks, he will attack. The question is, where are your eyes? Are your eyes on the Lord, or is your eyes on the enemy? When the enemy attacks, don't give in to fear. The number one command that we read all throughout Scripture, 365, do not fear, for the Lord is with you. Do not focus on the enemy. Do not focus on what he is doing. Where are our eyes? Where are your eyes? Let's keep going on the story. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 12. It says this. Now David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first born was Eliab, the second Abinab, and the third 
Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Just a side note. He's tending sheep while his older brothers are at war. Why is David tending sheep? Because he's a young boy. Most likely, their culture, 8 to 12 years old. Young boy. Okay? Here we go. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Next one. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. So you get this picture, this 8 to 12-year-old. He's hearing the battle cry. He's hearing the war. And of course, he's like... I want to see this, right? Like, I'm going to go check this out. And so he runs to the battle lines, figuring out what's going on. And as he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great... What's it say? When the enemy attacks, do not choose fear. And do not focus on him. But they are choosing to live in fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy, shame Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. We're all signing up for that, right? <laughs> Verse 26. David asks the men standing near him, will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this, what's it say? Disgrace. Disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do you hear the Kaddish Hashem? Who is this man who defames God's name in Israel, his people? Who is this man who dares to disgrace God's name? Who is he? How dare he? You see, Kaddish Hashem, it means to bring honor and fame like we talked about, but the way we do that, the way we live that out is by keeping our focus on the Lord. It's not our focus on the enemy, like all of Israel is doing. Every single time the Philistine comes out and he chants 40 days, 40 nights, comes out and chants against Israel, everyone is fixated on Goliath. And David shows up and goes, who's this guy? His whole focus is on the Lord. His whole focus is on God's name. His whole focus on is on God and who he is. Not on the enemy. Verse 27. 
They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, uh, now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the man answered him as before. Here's what you need to know. As you walk with the Lord, as you stay focused with the Lord, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be those that are going to come and speak to you and shame you and try and get you off course try to get you to listen to the enemy and his tactics and his ways and for David he's saying I'm focusing on the Lord not the critics not the naysayers not the cynics keep your focus on him David's brothers his flesh and blood, sometimes the closest people to you that you can count on and trust on, oftentimes will be the people that are your great, greatest critics. The family that you would think that would encourage David and walk beside David and, and, and be like, yes, David, you're the future king of Israel. No. They talk harshly to David. And the same is true for us. Verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David to Saul, let no one look on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him, David said. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You are 8 to 12 years old, David. Are you kidding me? No. You cannot fight this warrior. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he, was, he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. It doesn't say this in the text, but I just get this feeling that when Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you, David was like, He is with me. He is with me. And I'm going to go and take care of this Philistine because the Lord is with me. Now, I don't know about you, but... Um, there's a tremendous amount of confidence from David, right? Eight to 12 years old, nine foot tall. How many of us at eight to 12 years old saw an intimidating figure and we were like, I could take him on? <laughs> Maybe because of childlike faith, right? Maybe because of childlike faith. Maybe because of pride. But with David... His confidence in himself, as the text explains it and shows about who David is, his confidence is tied to his confidence in the Lord. 
He knows who the Lord is. He knows what the Lord is capable of doing. He knows that the Lord is on his side. And so he understands that he can walk in confidence, not because of his own might, not because of his own physical ability, but because of the Lord and his name and what he is and who he, who he is. David's confidence is interwoven because he has confidence in the Lord. And that interwovenness of, of David walking in confidence is tied to his relationship with the Lord because it's the only way that we can actually have confidence. And it's the way David's walking. He has complete attention on the Lord, not on the Philistine, not on Goliath. David understands the way that you win battles is through wisdom, that it's through bravery, that it's through surrender, and that it's ultimately through the Lord. This is how the Lord's battles are won. Wisdom, bravery, surrender the Lord. He has wisdom because he actually says, I've actually gone to battle and I've won and I can do it again. I just have to be brave and trust and have faith that my eyes on the Lord, that he, as we sang that first song this morning, that the Lord is the one that goes before me. And so I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in worry. I don't have to live in anxiety or anxiousness about whatever comes my way. The Lord goes before me. Do you have someone like that in your life? That walks with such confidence that it doesn't seem like anything shakes them? If you don't have someone like that in, in your life, we all need someone like that in our lives that has such confidence in the Lord that, that the circumstances don't dictate my faith, my choice, that it's God's goodness in my life and who he is that determines how I live my life. Therefore, do not fear, for the Lord is with you. This is how David walked. He walked with knowing that the battles that are won are with wisdom, bravery, not might, not power, because it is the Lord that goes before us. God is inviting you, whatever, whatever Goliath you're facing today. I think we're all facing some type of Goliath. Whatever it is, the Lord wants you to enter into battle towards the enemy. God wants to partner with people that are willing to enter into the battle. Oftentimes I find in my own life that I'm too busy focused on Goliath that I'm just full of terror and dismay and worry and concern that I then live my life out of that insecurity, out of that anxiousness, or I don't do anything. I just sit in terror, right? Stuck. And God's saying, no, I want you to step into the battle. I want you to go after Goliath. I want you to go after him. God's looking for people that want to step into the battle and that understand that, that you can win against Goliath. That he wants you to step in and that he wants to partner with you to have confidence in yourself and the people around you because your confidence isn't in you, it's in your God. Because you're going to Kaddish Hashem. You're going to honor him and make his name famous? Are you a man or a woman who is stepping into his battle the way he wants you to, which means all of your eyes, heart, soul, mind strength focused on him? That's how we enter into the battle. 
focused on the Lord and his name, not on the Philistine, not on Goliath. For some of us this morning, like you need to enter into the battle, but you need to enter into the battle with the Lord's word. You need to equip yourself with the truth of his word because it's only with the truth of his word that you can actually confront the lies of the enemy, the lies of Goliath. And until you confront the lies of Goliath and the lies of the Philistine and replace it with the truth of his word, we will continue to not win the battle that the Lord has put before us. Not only that, but I said it earlier, do you have someone that walks so confidently in the Lord that you look and say, how do you have such faith? Do you have relationships around you? Are you in a home group where people are walking out what it means to live out faith in the battle against Goliath? Who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? You've heard, the, you've heard this phrase, right? That you become the result of the three people you hang out with the most. Have you heard that before? Who are those three people? And is one of them maybe, or two of them or three of them, are they like David? Do you have a David in your life? that's helping you live life full of faith that the Lord goes before you. When you devote your time, is it time where you're thinking about the Lord and, and meditating upon his word and, and doing what David did and singing songs of the Lord or is your time filled with Fox News and CNN and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your time at home? As we close out today, we're going to pause in the story of David. And we're going to look at the conclusion next week, and you know how it ends, right? But I want you to ask yourself this question. Will you step into the battle with your eyes on God and the confidence that God is with you? Do you live that way every morning when you wake up? Do you spend time with the Lord? Is it coffee and Jesus, or is it fear? and worry and anxiousness. David stepped into the battle and was like, what's going on? I want to hear about it. And he had confidence that the Lord was going to do something. And when nobody else stepped up, he said, why? And he moved in and he stepped into the battle. What about you? How do you step into the battle every single day? Is it with confidence that the Lord is with you or is it with all these other things? And whatever Goliath you're facing, are you going to go against it? Are you going to go against the enemy? Knowing that the Lord goes before you, what is your step? What is it that Goliath is saying to you about who you are? Are you confronting the lies with the truth? Sometimes it's not even like a big catastrophic event that is a Goliath. Sometimes it's the little voice. And I just want to share with you Dominic, who we baptized first hour. And he's been walking the majority of his adult life as an agnostic. And it was a couple months ago that he came through the doors of Real Life Ministries and he said, I have to figure out what I really believe. Either Jesus is real or he's not. And I got to figure it out. And he did the hard work of researching the historical reality of Jesus. And he came to the conclusion that Jesus was who he said he was. 
And he said, I believe that Jesus came and that he died and then not only died, but he resurrected and that he is alive today. And I'm ready to be all in with Jesus, all in with him. And I'm gonna follow him the rest of my life. And we just baptized him first hour. But I asked him, I said, can I share our conversation? Just a part of our conversation about him surrendering to Jesus and being baptized. I wanna share with you this conversation with Dominic. So I was texting him this week. He was telling me about how he was worried about the spotlight of being baptized. And he said, I know this is ridiculous, but I'm nervous to get baptized. I want to very much. I think the thought of being the center of attention for even a short period of time, it terrifies me but I want to make it apparent that I'm accepting Jesus and, I'm, and that part of baptism is a statement of saying I'm all in. I just get insanely anxious having any attention on me, hence why I tend to stay quiet in groups. I texted him back. I said, no worries, man. This is normal, but I want you to know you don't need to feel ridiculous about feeling anxious. The Lord is showing you something in this. And I could tell this morning at men's group that you were anxious. I'm sorry if I pushed you too much. He responds back. It's totally fine. I need to push myself out of my comfort zone. I know I have value to provide by being outspoken. I just have internal hangups about it. I think when I drill down on it, it's fear of rejection. Goliath? Goliath is whispering to Dominic. You'll never be loved. You'll never be accepted. You have nothing to offer. Nothing will happen in your life, nothing significant. Just be quiet, play it safe. And Dominic is saying, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore. I'm not gonna listen to you, Goliath. And I'm gonna wage war with your word. I'm gonna wage war with prayer. I'm gonna wage war with a group of people that I'm gonna live life with to help me face the battle before me. And I'm gonna battle by worshiping. Dominic goes on to say, Rudy made a great point that seeking the acceptance of others is fruitless. And really we should be looking, I need to be looking at the acceptance of Jesus. Dominic is choosing to not focus on the enemy. He's choosing to focus on Jesus. And he's entering into the battle to confront the lies and say, it's God that goes before me. What about you? What is the battle that the Lord is inviting you into to go after the Goliath that's in front of you? And will you wage war? Will you enter into the battle? I want to invite you to bow your head this morning. And as we go to communion, I just want to invite you to, to wrestle with that question. Will you enter into the battle? And will you wage war the way God wants you to wage war? Will you confront Goliath? Will you say no more to fear worry, anxiousness, intimidation,
and will you step into what God has for you? Spend some time talking to the Lord about that this morning.